Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Friday, the 18th of December, 2020. Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. We come today to one of the minor prophets that's actually familiar. Even I kind of chuckle to myself at how much once you get to the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, and so on, right? When I'm reading the Bible to my kids, you know, and with, especially with my two young boys, right? Kind of using a, a picture Bible to help them understand, to help them engage. There's not a lot of uh, stories from this large section of the Old Testament that people feel like children can handle. But Daniel, with the lion's den and the fiery furnace, and Jonah make the cut. Jonah with the big fish. So probably since you were a child, you have been acquainted with the story of Jonah. And we all know what Jonah does. God tells him to go to Nineveh. And he runs the opposite direction. And in the course of his adventure, right, he gets swallowed by a big fish and he is in the belly of that fish for three days and for three nights. And so it's a very familiar story. But today I want us to think more about the prophet Jonah. And I want us to really examine ourselves Because it's easy for us to kind of say, oh, Jonah, yeah, you shouldn't run the other way when God's calling you. It's a little harder to identify what that looks like in ourselves. So we meet the prophet Jonah here, and he is told to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was an incredible city in the ancient world, an important city at that point in the Assyrian Empire. And so, I mean, it talks about it in this book, even that it took three days journey to get through the city. I mean, just a massive city. And you have to understand that the Assyrians were not known for being nice guys. Um, This was a kingdom and an empire that had a reputation for cruelty, uh, a reputation um, that people would have been scared of, a reputation that people would have hated. And, And so, Jonah, he he does not want to go to this city of Nineveh. And, And the vibe that we get from this book is not that he was afraid to go to Nineveh. We see that he did not want to go to Nineveh because he did not want God to show them any mercy. He knew that if he went and if he proclaimed what God wanted him to proclaim, people would turn and God would be merciful. And he didn't want these people, um, to experience that. And I think we see that very vividly in chapter one, in a a detail that I don't think gets a lot of thought or attention in the book of Jonah, right? He's told to go to Nineveh, but he says, nope. And he runs to get a ship basically headed the other way. We think Tarshish, uh, we see probably associated with the country of Spain and Nineveh would have been in modern day Iraq. So he's, he's going as far the other direction as he can possibly try to go. And so we see him doing this and God is not going to let him get away with it. So he brings up a storm and it eventually comes clear and they cast lots. It falls to Jonah and Jonah says, yep, I I am uh, fleeing from the presence of the Lord, right? And that everybody understands that. And then they say, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? And he says, throw me into the sea. 
um, because it's my fault that this is coming upon you. And now what is going on there? And I want us to see, because what I think is really going on there is Jonah, he's not only saying I'm running away from what God is calling me to do. He is saying when he tells them to throw him into the sea, um, I would rather die than go preach the gospel to the Ninevites. That's what he is saying. Because I think if, if Jonah in this moment, when they said, hey, what should we do? If Jonah would have said, guys, I've been fleeing from God and I'm going to stop. And if he would have stopped right there and said, God, I'm sorry, this is wrong that I am running away. Guys, you need to help me turn around and get to Nineveh. I'm guessing the storm would have stopped. But no, Jonah holds on to it. He is not going to go to Nineveh. And I guess in some sense, yes, he cares for the lives of these sailors. He doesn't want them to pay for the consequences of his sin. But Jonah is not willing to turn from his sin at this point. He would rather die by being thrown into the ocean than to go preach the gospel to the people of Nineveh. And then we're familiar with the story. He gets swallowed by the great fish. He's in the belly of the fish for three days, three nights. He prays, which is actually an amazing prayer in chapter two. Um, And the fish vomits Jonah out onto dry land. He goes to Nineveh. They repent. And uh, then we see chapter four. He's still angry about it. And so I want us to check our own hearts today and to see how we might have to fight against some of these feelings that Jonah had. Um, You're not going to be called to go to Nineveh. There's nothing left of it but ruins. But I think we have to check our own hearts that there are probably some people in this world that, you know what, we are fine if they are judged by God. In fact, we're kind of rooting for that. And I want us to realize as Christians, while we should hate sin, and while we should pray for God to uh, correct what is wrong and, and for his judgment, there should always be in our hearts a sense of compassion. And that's really what we see even at the end of the book where, where God says, shouldn't I have compassion on this great city? And even expressing compassion for you know the children of this city and people that, that did, don't understand right from wrong, um, and so God is is saying, I have compassion. And we as Christians need to be people of compassion. And think about some of the people in your life that it might be hard to, to think about with a sense of compassion. And maybe there's somebody at your work that just thinks they are above the rules. They mistreat people. They flaunt, you know, directives that you feel obligated to follow and they seem to get away with it. And that rubs you the wrong way. Do you want to see that person get saved or do you want to see that person get their comeuppance? Uh, What's really going on in your heart? Or or maybe you're a a conservative living in a conservative area and and you want to hold on to Christian values. So you look at people in your community or people in other parts of the country that are are advancing an agenda that is totally anti-God and totally anti-scripture and do you want to see those people get saved? Or, or maybe you think of a family member that has been an incredible cause of pain or suffering in your life. Do you want to see that person turn from their sins and put their faith in God? Um, these are questions we need to wrestle with. And, and they're not even totally simple 
uh, answers, right? Even Psalm 15 talks about the godly person being someone in whose eyes a vile person is despised, right? We, we should not love sin. And there's a sense that we should not look up to sinners. And we should, as it says in Psalm 15, in our eyes, a vile person should be despised. But I don't think that should be unmixed with compassion, that we want to see people get saved. And even just as a word of warning here, especially as we think about our culture, right? I think one thing, people in the name of compassion towards the lost and towards people that are opposed to God, what they want to do to reach those people is change the gospel. And that is something that as Christians, we must absolutely reject. We can't try to change the gospel to make it more palatable to others. And well, yeah, you don't need to believe, uh, you know, in miracles to be a Christian or yeah, God's okay with same-sex marriage or you know what, you you don't uh, need to believe that people are sinners or yeah, God's not really going to judge people in any way or hell's not a real thing. No, we don't want to change what the Bible says to reach people, but we want to have compassion on those who even right now are opposed, violently opposed to God. And we want compassion in our hearts to see some of those people get saved. And we don't want to turn down opportunities to share the gospel with people just because we don't like them and we, we do hate their sin. And I think that's a lesson we need to learn from the book of Jonah, that we should always as Christians have some compassion in our hearts for the lost. And even though there there might be mixed feelings as we cry out for God to judge sin in the world, we should not be like Jonah so hardened that basically we're saying, I would rather die than see these people get saved. And we should be praying for that. We should be praying for open doors ourselves to share the gospel. We should be hoping that there are people in our culture that are violently opposed to God that someday will be sitting side by side with us, worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ at our church. We should be praying for who's the next Saul turned into the apostle Paul among us. Let's not forget to pray for those kind of things and to pray for those people. As we think even about reasons why we should do that, I want us to go back to Psalm 145, where we read the first seven verses today. And it just is a great song about the greatness of God. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable, right? That's one of the reasons why we should have a desire to share the gospel with all kinds of people because God is that great. And we should desire that people's eyes should be opened to that truth, right? That there should be, even though there is a sense of godly, even zeal and frustration and even anger towards just some of the sinful causes in our world. I think as Christians, there should always be a sense of pity that, that man, I want these people's eyes to be open because they're missing out on God. They're missing out on his unsearchable greatness. And I wish that their eyes would be opened to see that. And we know God is going to judge the sin in the world. And we see that as we start Revelation 17. And in verses one through six today, we start, uh, it talks about this, um, this great prostitute. And so you have to start wondering, okay, what, what is that? Who is this prostitute? And there's different opinions 
out there and maybe tying this to specific cities or specific empires. But I do think however you slice it, it, what what we see here is this prostitute really being a symbol of the evil system of the world. Uh, Talking about uh, sexual immorality, uh, drunkenness, right? Just this whole system of the world and a system that is opposed to God. And and what we're going to see is is God is going to have the final victory. But again, I think one thing that we should all have a sense of in our own hearts as Christians is that if God hadn't saved me, I would be all in that, this false religious system of the world too. I would be lost. I would be no better than the people of Nineveh if God had not saved me. We need to beware of any spiritual pride in our own lives that causes us to look out at the sinners in the world and to look down upon them. And even I mentioned earlier, we should be praying for, hey, who's the next Saul turned into Apostle Paul going to be among us? And I think that's something that he models very well. While he was a warrior for the gospel, he was very humble. And you always get a sense as you read his letters that, wow, God has been merciful to me in ways that I did not deserve. And while he certainly condemned sin and preached against sin and called people to repent, he did it from a place of humility and not a place of of arrogance or pride or anything like that. And if we want to combat this spirit of that we see Jonah had in this book, we want to have a humble um, sense of gratitude for what God has done to us that does give us a sense of compassion for the lost around us. Uh, finally, we look today at the gospel of John. And we look at John 18 verses 25 through 32. And, and we see what a sham uh, this trial was, right? And we see the Jews bringing, um, bringing Jesus to Pilate and, and they say, oh, we don't have authority to put anyone to death. Where well, how many times earlier have they been plotting and scheming to put Jesus to death, right? They're standing outside the governor's headquarters because they don't want to be ceremonially ceremonially defiled so they can eat the Passover um, while at the same time they're trying to commit murder. Well, what incredible hypocrisy. And this comes right after we read about Peter denying Christ. And yet even I want us to see Jesus and how he felt about these people and Jesus, how he restored Peter after all this, we'll, we'll read that at the end of the gospel of John, or even Jesus, as he is nailed to the cross, cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so Christians, we need to think carefully, right? We don't want to, in the name of compassion, uh, just be okay with sin in our world. Um, but on the other hand, in the name of righteousness, we don't want to ever lose our compassion for the lost around us. We want to pray for them. We want to be, instead of willing, more willing to die than to see them repent. We should be willing to give our lives to see others repent. And it should all come from a place of humility and worship, knowing that our God is great. He is greatly to be praised. And we want more people to know the unsearchable greatness of our God. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thank you.